Welcome, and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for this great blessing from you to be able to worship you at your house, Lord God, with your people, in this church family that you have chosen for us. Lord, we want to learn more about you, and we ask that you give us that insight, Lord God, the wisdom that we need. I pray for the Holy Spirit and all your people here tonight, that he will be the one to reveal that, Lord God, for whatever it is that you are trying to teach them and reveal to them. Lord, I ask that you bless my preparations, Lord God, but at the same time, Lord, I ask that you and you alone be heard by your people here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, December 9, right? December 9. So, everybody is getting ready for their, you probably had your Christmas parties already. You probably have done your Christmas shopping, or you're still doing your Christmas shopping. And um, you probably heard all those special announcements, right? Special sales, special announcements, release dates. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It depends on who you're talking to. If it's music that they care about, they know the time and day of their favorite singer. They know about that. They care about that announcement. If they, they're like me every now and then, they... They like shoes, and the Jordan 11s are being released. You've been waiting for it for 10 years, and you're waking up really early for it because the announcement, you heard the announcement, the buildup was there, you cared so much about it, you've invested your time and your money, and you get at it, correct? I titled our message tonight, Hear Ye, Hear Ye, Hear Ye. This is the... Um, they cry, this is what they say, they carry a handbell to attract people's attention as they shout the words, oh ye, oh ye, oh ye, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, O-Y-E-Z, before making their announcements. The word oh yes means hear ye, which is a call for, call for silence and attention. Oyez derives from Anglo-Norman word for listen. So hear ye, hear ye is an announcement. I looked back at my message last week because we're going to start our Christmas series tonight. And I titled it Special Announcement. So, but again, I want to talk about the announcement. I feel like I did a terrible job last year. So I, this is my remake. This is my remake time. But I needed a, a, a clever title. So I said... Hear ye, hear ye, listen. The announce, it's one way to say this, or the meaning of this is the announcement of the decision. Or the announcement of the decision of the president. So I pray that uh, you will be listening tonight. You will be listening, you will be quiet, and you will be listening to God's word. Just like any other holiday, the world makes it about material things. Correct? Christmas becomes about Christmas sales. Christmas becomes about what you can give, 
and what you can get for the people that you love. They manipulate us, actually. That's what Madison Avenue is good at. They're manipulating us. They're trying to make you think that you don't love your loved one if you don't buy them that Jared ring. <laughs> if that were the case, if that were the case, Anna Lou would never think that I love her, ever. Because Jared jewelry is just too expensive, right? If my children would look at the material things and that they were equivalent my love for them, then they would probably say, man, Tito John loves me more than my dad. There was one time where Gianna was really young and, and Jamie, my sister, asked her, how much do you love me? Referring to her. And this is what Gianna said, 20 bucks. <laughs> and she had this on video and she goes, how much do you love your dad? 100 bucks. <laughs> if it's monetarily, if your love is equivalent by money, then Madison Avenue has it right, correct? Madison Avenue has this announcement, and they're making it about the Lexus, the shoes, and everything else. But we know that for us believers, Christmas, the special announcement, is the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, we're going to look at tonight, we're going to look at the reaction. The reaction and the response of certain people in the Bible, about the announcement when it was made. And we're going to see this because our refer, we refer to the Bible all the time. I know I, I preluded to this earlier. And this is, my question is, do you share these sentiments? From Psalm 119, 103 and 105, How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Have you really had that honey, the pure honey? Not the one made in China and it's watered down. The one that's the real one here locally. When you put it in your mouth, it's just so sweet that your teeth hurt, right? You're like, oh gosh, it's so sweet. You know you're getting diabetes as you swallow it. You're like, oh gosh, I'm going to die, right? But that's how we should look at the Word of God. It should be so sweet, so pure that we're enjoying it to a point we're hurting. We're hurting. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and the light for my path. Do you see the Bible as that? Everything about the Bible is God's word, correct? It's the inspired word of God. So as we take, as we look at this special announcement, and the challenge for me is like, how many ways can you deliver a Christmas message? How many ways? And I thought, I was like, man, you know, I did it last year, Lord. I think that was it, two years? I, I'll be repeating myself. But as I prayed and, I, and God revealed it to me, there are other ways to really deliver this. And I, I hope that you'll be able to see, as I saw, the reactions of these certain people, Zechariah, Mary, and King Herod, about the announcement, about certain announcement that was done, given by God. So let's begin. And you are in Luke chapter 2. Oh, go to Luke chapter 1, sorry. I faked you out there. <laughs> this is the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. 
So I'm going to be reading from, from verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, but Elizabeth was because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of burning of incense came, and all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are given to him, you are to give to him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or any other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in spirit and in power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What a privilege, right? Has anybody here gotten a, a no, don't, don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> we have, I don't think anybody here had an, an angel speak to them. And had a message by God. And this guy, Zechariah, was given that privilege. Correct? What a privilege that is. And then he was directly told, your prayer has been answered. Your prayer has been answered. So he was a priest. He was chosen. And there's many of them. And it takes so long for them to take their turn to go into the holy temple. And to be doing that responsibility that he did this one time. But we're going to see his reaction about the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. And we all know John the Baptist was the first, the guy that paved the way, got the, the Israelites ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. So he was told that this son of yours, this son of yours is going to do mighty things for the kingdom of God. Correct? An angel speaking to him. And this is his reaction. This is Zechariah's reaction, his response to this special announcement that was given to him. He says, how can I do this? Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Sometimes, we see here, sometimes people, especially at the olden times, right? They're always been given something impossible. Something impossible, like childbirth at an old age. And they both know 
Zechariah and Elizabeth knew that Elizabeth was already barren. And now here's a miracle. Here's an announcement that they're going to have a baby. But then what he's forgetting is he prayed for it. He prayed for it. And now he's being told, your prayer has been answered. But then he questions, how can I, how can I know this? What I see here is that sometimes more often than not, when we hear God speak to us, we automatically look at our capabilities or our lack of, rather than who spoke to us. Zechariah, God's priest, and his duty is, he's a priest, and his duty is one of the ones to be chosen to enter the sanctuary of the Lord, the Holy of Holies at that time to burn incense. And obviously, he was praying to God. The moment God spoke to him through an angel, he forgets all the things that he know or he knows about his God. Sometimes us believers, we call ourselves believers. We read the Bible. We pray to God. And then when God answers our prayers, we question it. Right? We question it. We doubt it. We're saying, is this, how, is this God's answer to my prayer? You've been, looking, you've been looking for a partner. You've been looking for a partner. And then there's this irritating guy that's been bugging you for the millionth time. And then all of a sudden you're questioning, is this God's best for me? Because he doesn't really fit the criteria that I was looking for in the guy. And sometimes that's, that can be tricky. Because how, how does God speak to us? God speaks to us through the Bible now, right? There's no angel. He's not going to send any angel. A guy named Angel, maybe. But the Bible, he speaks to us through the Bible, circumstances, through our prayer, and through the church. But the most dangerous one, and we love listening to the most dangerous one, is the circumstances. Why? Because we can manipulate ourselves. In sales, we call it top of mind. When somebody just end up bought. If they just bought a house, guess what they're going to be talking about? They just bought a house. They're going to be telling everybody they bought a house. I bought a house. I bought a house. I bought a house. When they buy a car or they think about buying a car, all they see is that car. They're thinking about buying a Honda CRV, a Honda CRV. And all of a sudden, they're like, dude, it's a sign. I can see CRVs everywhere. This is, it's a sign. That's the car I need to buy. Because we program our mind. Our minds get programmed. Just watch. Observe yourself as you're sitting there watching your basketball game or your football game, and the commercials that run through the TV, all of a sudden you're wanting to eat that pizza. All of a sudden you're craving for that chicken wing or wings, right? Those chicken wings because you get programmed. So that's the most dangerous one is the circumstances, but that's the one we love to listen to. And there's danger to that. If you don't pray to God, that God remove everything that I don't that I want in order for me to hear what you have to say to me and reveal to me. That's the only time you're really gonna see God's will. And if you know, here's the Bible. You want God to talk to you, but then you don't lift, you don't carry this, you don't lift up a page and read his word. You don't spend time in prayer but that you want God to reveal to you his best. Here is different. God answered his prayer, but he's still doubting it. He's still doubting it because he sees himself as an old man. Because he is. But then he, he is a priest. 
you would wonder, doesn't he know about Abram and Sarai? Right? We're all, we're, we're all, wow, come on. If you were a priest, supposedly you were studying the word. You probably heard about that story. But then here's an angel telling you, your prayer has been answered. You will have a child. And then you doubt it. The reaction shows that his eyes, Zechariah's eyes, was still on himself, not to the person that was talking to him. The message was being given to him through an angel. God was speaking to him through an angel. And if you know God, God doesn't make mistakes. Correct? Amen? Amen. Somebody's saying there, well, you, don't, you haven't met my wife, Pastor. That was a mistake. You haven't met my husband, Pastor. That was a mistake. Really? You think your spouse isn't saying the same thing? <laughs> well, you think I was a mistake? <laughs> well, look at you. But look at, if you think about this part, you can also think about Gideon. When he was called, right, and he was called to be the one to, to help the Israelites out of the Midian, to fight the Midianites, and he said, why me? Like God was making a mistake. Why me, Lord? We're the smallest. I'm the weakest. And at the same time, the charge goes to us too. Many of us, we pray. We're praying for God to use us. Lord, use me. Use me in however you want to use me. Thank you for all your blessings, Lord God. You can have my life. And then the first thing that God tells us, go to church, right? Sundays. And what do we say? I'm too busy, Lord. Use me in a different way. Use me from Monday to Saturday, but not Sunday. Right? We say, Lord, I want to know more about you. I want you to reveal more of yourself to me, Lord God. Because I've heard great stories about you. And Lord, I just want you to reveal more of you. And then it's re read your Bible. You hear in the message, read your Bible. You're like, Lord, can I just not do that? Can you just reveal yourself to me in my circumstance? Which he will. But then there's a sacrifice. When God tells us something and then we don't like it, we stop. Because that's not how we wanted him to answer us, right? We want him to make, to tell us in the Bible, go to Africa and be a missionary. There you have it. Got my calling. Go, and I say, I say here, go and make disciples of all nations. You all go back to the Philippines. <laughs> well, he said, go. <laughs> I'm going back. Right? But then our mission field is in front of us. Everybody here works in a different place. Some of you work together. But those people that you know, your circle, your circle of friends, that's your mission field. Those are the people that you need to share Jesus to. Those are the, the people that you need to show the testimony of God in your life, the change that happens. But then just like Zechariah, you still wonder, how can I know this? How can I know this? This is not how I want you to answer my prayer. I actually was just opening my mouth, Lord. I had nothing better to say. I thought it was the right thing to say. Lord, give me and Elizabeth a baby. You're going to have a baby. What? How can I know this? Imagine that conversation that he had there. Next one. Now listen. Now listen. The angel. Angel Gabriel. Now he's mad. He's upset. You will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. 
because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. They were like, man, he's praying. He's praying forever. This guy's close to God. This guy's no, he knows who God is. They didn't realize what was going on there. Zechariah was given a revelation, and Zechariah doubted the revelation. How else are you supposed to get it, right? You know, when God answers your prayers, sometimes it literally falls on your lap. Kevin White, do you guys remember him? He, he preached here one time, right? He was praying. He was praying for a wife. He was a missionary, a student missionary. And this, this was back in the days where parents were still involved in their children's lives. <laughs> now we're pushed out, right? Now it's, you're old school. You're not supposed to be involved in my life. No. But he was praying for a wife, for God to give him God's best. At the same time, the wife now, her name's Deidre. She was also praying for God's best. But she already knew, she already had a boyfriend at that time. But her parents, he gave me the okay to share this, okay? Her parents said, I don't like the guy that you're dating. They heard about Kevin visiting their town. They went to that party where Kevin was the main event. Girls were flocking around him. They were interviewing him. And he was just sitting there answering their questions. And then here's the mom of Deidre. She goes, you need to speak to this boy. Pushed her. She literally fell on Kevin's lap. And then she goes, my mom pushed me. And, and he goes, oh, you're fine where you're at. That's fine. So Kevin said, if people are, are, are looking for a, a wife, I literally tell them, just sit down. God will answer your prayer. Sometimes God will answer your prayers and it will fall right on your lap. This is the case for Zechariah. He was praying for God to give him a child. He was probably praying, Lord, use me, because God's already using him. But he's, he's probably saying those words, Lord, use me in mighty ways. Use me in mighty ways, ways that I can't even imagine. And then when God revealed it to him, he doubted it. What I've seen from time to time, from my life experiences and from what I've seen happen to people, is that God makes it clear to the person that his discipline is upon him or her when we clearly disobey him. It was clear here. The angel said, you will be silent because he doubted. Sometimes, unfortunately, like with me, it takes more than once. It more takes, takes more than one time for us or for me to understand and get what God is saying. But praise God that he is patient. He has all the time in the world because he holds the time. So if you want to continue to run away from God and the calling that he has given you or the message that he's telling you, you want to continue to run, guess who's going to get tired? And it's not going to be him. You can run, but you can't hide. I think that's uh, in a verse, nice that. <laughs> Here we see God's discipline. He disciplines Zechariah at the place of his offense, his lips, his words. Because he probably uttered the words, Lord, bless me and Elizabeth with a child. But then when God blessed him, 
answered his prayers, he said, how can I know this? The very thing that caused him to sin against the Lord, God took it in order for Zechariah to know better than to argue with God's will the next time he is told of it. I've learned that way too. I made my wife and my family more important. I gave them more importance than my relationship with the Lord. And God almost took my wife and my, my, my children away from me because of that. I didn't want to follow God's calling of being a deacon at least, you know, living a holy life. I didn't want to follow it. Because I knew as I was reading the Bible, when you follow God, there's challenges. And I didn't want any challenges. I wanted the American life. I, wanted, I was living the American dream. Who has time for challenges? So I didn't, I, I could feel, I could sense the call. I could sense the calling, but I could care less for it because my family mattered to me. But then with that, God showed me that he took it. He was taking, he took Anna, he took um, Gianna and Alonzo away from me. And it was one of my roughest times in my life. But up to the point when I made the decision with God, as I was reading and I was praying, with or without my wife and my children, Lord, I will follow you. Sincerely, not just lip service. Sincerely. That's when God, that's when God gave them back to me. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Until, until God is more important to you, those, all these things will be taken away from you. Because we live in a world where we're told to be successful, correct? To be successful in whatever career you chose, to be successful in the family that you were given, to have a successful married life or married life, and your children to be a good parent. There's nothing wrong with that. Morally, that's all correct. But for a believer, God is a jealous God. Amen? God is a jealous God. He wants all of us, not some of us, not half of us. He wants all of us. He wants 100%. And he just doesn't want lip service. Zechariah, Zechariah, as I'm observing, as I saw this, he was just opening his mouth. He just knew the right words to say. But still, God chose him. God chose him to be the father, to father John the Baptist. The beauty of God's love is, despite the discipline he applies, the blessings, as he promised, still comes because he is true to his word. As we read here, and these all after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. God was true to his promise. Zechariah, despite Zechariah's disobedience or sin. Because when we doubt God, we're sinning against God. Do you agree? Do you know that? If you doubt Him, you're already sinning against Him. If you say, oh, I don't need Jesus, 
I'm a good person. You just called God a liar. You just told God, well, you know, you just wasted send, sending Jesus here because I could have saved myself. And I'm pretty sure some other people could have saved themselves because we could have been good too. We're all good. There was no need for him to die on the cross. That's what you're saying. If you're saying that you don't need to accept Jesus as your Lord, that you didn't need Jesus to pay for your sins, you're saying God made a mistake. You're right. He's wrong. I don't know what's holding back some of us about surrendering. Surrendering our lives to Christ. Accepting Him as Lord. Many Christmases has passed in your life, but you're just enjoying the baby in the manger. That's all you're seeing. And the, all the festivities, and I love it. I love Christmas too. Don't get me wrong. I love the exchange gifts. I love receiving gifts. I love giving the gifts. I love the year-end feeling. Although I, I know better now, time doesn't stop. It felt like it stopped when I was younger because, you know, my dad was going to cook my meal. My mom was going to do my laundry. They were going to fix the house. They were going to pay the bills. and I just had to worry about January. But real life is, time continues, right? So as we look at this Christmas season, I pray that if you haven't truly surrendered your life to Christ, I don't know how clear Jesus needs to be. That he came here to die on the cross for your sins and mine. And it's a gift. It's a gift. It's not because you deserve it. So what's holding you back? For many of us, for some of us, what's holding us back is like the stubbornness of Zechariah. We continue to look at ourselves. And we think, we, we think two things. We think we deserve heaven because we're good, or we will never deserve heaven because we're too evil. God's grace and mercy has nothing to do with us. The receiver of it, it we, us the receiver of God's grace, we have nothing to do with it. It is out of the goodness of the person's heart who gives wholeheartedly not because the receiver deserves it, but because the giver desired to do it and give it. Much more is our good and loving Father in heaven. Despite the stubbornness of Zechariah, God still came through with this promise as God desired it and purposed it. The more we know of God, the lesser the margin of our error. We see it here. We need to take God's word more seriously. Zechariah was told, but yet he doubted. For us, we have the Bible, but yet we take it for granted. We push it aside. We let it collect dust. There's Bible studies offered left and right, different days, but we have no time for it. And then we wonder, I don't know why my life, my Christian life, my Christian journey is so stale. But we're not really admitting the fact that we haven't given up so much of ourselves, so much of our life here on earth that matters more to us than what God is telling us to do. There's a lot of letting go that we need to do. Because you can't be half in with the Lord and half in with the world. It's either you're for me or you're against me. That's what Jesus said. I really hope I'm, I'm going to try my best to communicate what you can do based on what God has given you than what you cannot do. 
I know I get a lot of uh, uh, questions that um, sometimes pastors are talking more about the, can, the cannots than the cans. The, what you can do is learn more about God. Correct? What you cannot do is ignore God's word. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> I guess there's other ways to say it, but I'll be parked there too far. Here's the second announcement. Mary. Mary, the announcement of Jesus' birth. We're going to see the difference of the response of Mary from the response of Zechariah. We're going to see here. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 to 33. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody does speak to me like an angel, I will also be afraid. I'll be afraid. So the, 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 the reaction of being afraid is not the problem here. But it's the reaction after. Because when God speaks to us, and when he first did it, did it to me in, in my reading, I got scared. I got scared because I felt like he completely and thoroughly answered my prayer that day of my questions. When God first speaks to you, you will be surprised. Through a message through a podcast, through your reading, you will get surprised. And you will get that feeling of being afraid. It is typical for us to feel, to be, feel that, that feel, to have that feeling of being afraid of what God tells us because it is always a separation of our flesh, which is our worldly wisdom, and our mind-sized task and capacity versus God's wisdom and the guide-sized task that he tells us, and God's ultimate, ultimate will for us, which is what scares us. It scares us. What is this? You found favor, you will conceive and give birth to a son. She knows, Mary knows that she's a virgin, right? And she was engaged to marry Joseph. And now she's being told that she will give birth, she will conceive. And here's her response. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? Since I have not been intimate with a man. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So if you hear that, that Christmas song, Mary, did you know? You should always answer it by saying, yes, she did. Okay. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 34 to 35. Okay? <laughs> I don't know why it even got popular, because it really didn't make sense. It just shows that the author, the composer, didn't know that his Bible. Because Mary did know. She was informed. It just didn't happen. Oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Joseph, are you going to help me out? She was told. And then the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Mary has... He had a difficult, she had a difficulty with the announcement. 
She asks, how will this be? She knows she cannot yet have a, conceive a child, for she is a virgin. The answer comes in terms of God's creative overshadowing power. Here's one miracle. Again, for us, the Word of God is our ultimate authority. Amen? It is. If you're doubting it, it's going to be hard. If you make this right here, if you're going to say, Joe, I've been in this earth longer than you. There is no way, there is no way that a virgin birth can take place. If you will discredit this, if you're saying you're a believer, you're discrediting the virgin birth, everything else will crumble for you. Everything else will crumble. Then the, the death on the cross, the dying on the sins, and the resurrection, all of those will crumble for you. The virgin birth is important. It is key for us. It's a miracle that God has given and showed us. Because what did the angel say? And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was, was called childless. Verse 37 reads, For nothing will be impossible with God. Now I know I need to be careful with that verse. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure most of you will come out of this building and you will want something, material something, and you're going to say, for nothing will be impossible with God. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. You're going to get a tattoo. You're going to put it in your car. You're going to paint it in your house wall. And everything, it will be your chant. For nothing is impossible with God. Now, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing that is God's will for you is impossible. Right? Everything that he wants for you, that's not impossible. Everything that you want for yourself, that's probably possible. But then, talk to me next month. I'll be praying for you. Because we get in trouble. When we force ourselves against God's will, we get in trouble. Do we agree? For the young people here, for the young people here, and you know that your body, you are sacred. Correct? Just like Mary, she was sacred. The only time that she was going to be intimate was after marriage. Now, if you're not going to treat yourself with sacredness, your body as a as the temple of the Holy Spirit, trouble will come. Trouble will come. One big trouble that's forever going to be trouble, one of them, is a child. You might have an unwanted child. And then you will be forever a parent at an early age. And that brings trouble. If you don't think so, you can hang out with me for a week. And you'll find out how it is to be a parent. The challenges behind it. It's fun when the right time comes. But in an accident, you take your dreams away and everything else follows. Sin against God, you will pay for. Worst is an STD. Right? Those things that you, you get. The same thing with marriages. If you end up deciding, you know, I'm not going to be faithful anymore because she's not changing. He's not changing. You're going to commit adultery and you're going to claim for nothing will be impossible with God. I will be happy. I haven't been happy for a long time. 
Nothing is impossible with God. You're using that verse incorrectly. What you should be using that verse for is, God gave me my husband, and he will make this work. For nothing will be impossible with God. Correct? And we have to have that faith. We have to believe that. We have to believe God for what he has told us, for everything that he has revealed to us. Through our reading, through our learning, through the messages that we hear, we have to believe in God's word. We cannot doubt him. Our faith must be alive. And look at this, Hebrews 11.6. On my, my header, I said, lack of faith equals God is not pleased with you. Hebrews 11.6 reads, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Luke one thirty seven was, for nothing will be impossible with God. Hebrews 11.6 is, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I know I said it earlier, Matthew 6.33. He will reward you. What's his reward for you? You're thinking, you're thinking car, right? You're thinking loro. The reward, one million dollars, one million dollars. He said reward. We always automatically put it on material things. Money, houses, popularity, success in your career. But then you know the reward as you earnestly seek him? You get to know him, the God of the universe, the God who created all things, the God that loved you, that loved you so much that he gave is one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, have eternal life. Christmas season, as you enjoy your shopping, as you enjoy your gifts, as the time continues, as you have fun at your Christmas parties at work, or with your, with your friends and family, you have to remember the love of God the love of God through Jesus. They're going to show you, you're going to see the baby Jesus, but it was Jesus who was sacrificed. That same baby was sacrificed on the cross for your sins and mine. That's, that's Christmas right there. That's the purpose of Christmas, the coming of the Savior of God. The coming of the Savior for us. God does not leave Mary alone in her decision, in that decision. The angel notes that the life that is staring within the womb of an elderly woman, Elizabeth, Mary's relative, encouraged Mary that, oh my gosh, if she is pregnant and she was barren, this is possible for me too. That's what I was thinking here. That's why the angel pointed to Elizabeth. And John serves, John the Baptist serves as a pointer to Jesus, not only in his preaching, but also in his birth. That's amazing. You know, they're cousins, right? Yeah. It's always good to remember that. You know, your cousins are your automatic friends, correct? And with John and Jesus, even at birth, John was already paving the way for Jesus. Look at, look at Elizabeth. She's pregnant. And Mary get, goes, what was her response because of that? I am, this is Mary's response. Compared to Zechariah's response, 
or how am I to know this? Here is Mary's. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel left her. The angel states the basic, the basic premise. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary simply responds in humble acceptance. I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you have said. For some of us, we still need to truly believe and live that statement that Mary made. That, that statement, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. Have you made that profession? Have you made that commitment? For some of us, we still need to wrap our mind around that word servant. Because we're like, servant? No, I'm American. <laughs> I'm not going to be anybody's servant. I'm going to be the boss. Right? I have a college degree. I can't be the Lord's servant. The, the submitting, the submitting to someone's authority is so demeaning for us. To even give up our right from the living God to the living God is impossible for us to wrap our mind around. We don't want to do it. We think that we don't need to be his servant. You know what we do? He becomes our servant. He becomes our genie in a bottle, in this case, in a book. For nothing is impossible with God. I want that girl. In Jesus' name we pray. Because <laughs> you read in a verse that you need to end all prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. I read that somewhere. I need to end my prayer like that. Right? We make it into a magic spell. We treat God as our servant. Not the other way around. If you're going to say you are God's servant, then you need to be what? You need to be obeying Him. You need to be living for Him. Now, I'm not calling morality. I'm not saying you need to be a good person for Him. Although for all of us, for all of us, that's what's the first thing that's going to happen. We're going to have to leave our old sinful ways because there's repentance, right? When we accept Christ, we, we repent. We turn away. We turn away from our sinful selves. And we become a new creation with Him. So that's the first thing, right? We fall in love with God. We learn more about Him. We get renewed. Our interest differs. We're not trying to be a good person, but because of our relationship with God, we are turning to what God wants from us from what God, how God wants us to be. Look at this. The question is, are you his follower? Luke 9, 23. Take up the cross and follow him. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Christ's disciples, Christ's followers, have a cross to carry. Day in and day out. Not just when you want to. Not just when you're on vacation. Not just when you're off at work. We all have that calling that God has given us. And we are 
always Christ's follower. And if no one else is, knows that you're a Christian, guess who knows that you are? Jesus. I was, um, I was at uh, Rockland, California yesterday, and um, my, my daughter plays basketball, and uh, she was an attorney. And, she, you know, I'm a dad, right? And I'm loud. I'm Filipino. And um, she got hacked twice. So it, with my normal voice, which is apparently loud, I said, foul, and the referee was right there, and he thought I was heckling him, and he goes, that's why I have the whistle. And this is me. Oh, man, I'm going to get into a fight. And I'm like, I'm in Rockland. Nobody knows I'm a pastor. <laughs> my testimony is safe here, but, I remind, but my friends, my two of my friends were back here, but I'm like, but they're leave, leaving in an hour. So maybe I can handle this guy. Mano e mano. But then I was thinking this, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Lord, I'm sorry. Please help me not want to do what I want to do with this guy. We have to deny ourselves, right? We have to deny ourselves. Even if you think you're right. I wasn't even trying to heckle him. I wasn't even trying. I was just speaking out loud or thinking out loud, I should say. Right? There's, and then Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. We all know this verse. If you have been raised in this church, this is when you know Pastor Julius is about to end, right? This is the verse that he, when he ends his messages. Because this is his call, this is the challenge. We all know it, we all have seen it, we've read it, read it, we heard it, but then are we actually living it? Now it's an everyday challenge. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like Mary, in order to follow Christ or obey Christ, denying, denying of ourselves is the first, the first thing that must go. Christianity is not about our right to ourselves. It's about denying ourselves. The second you accept that, you have a, you already made a mile with your relationship. It's not, it's my right to be happy. I am done with him. No, it's, you need, it's, your, it's your denying yourself of being happy in order for you to follow God's will in your life. Yeah, it's heavy, right? We're like, man, he said it was going to be a Christmas series. Yeah, but I didn't say it was going to be dog and pony show, right? Here's the other one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matthew 26, 41. I say this is a formula to obedience, but there's, you know, the denying of yourself. That's one. That's the reality. But here, Jesus said, keep watch and pray. See, believer, are you, how, how much are you praying? I mean, I'm not just, okay, look at your clock and then go. Make sure you're praying for two hours and then you'll have a happy life. No, it's how often do you pray? How often do you speak to God? The God that you say, Lord, protect me. Lord, guide me. Lord, thank you for all your blessings that you've given me. Lord, protect my family as I'm away. That God. How, much, how often do you talk to him? So that you will not give in to temptation. 
A temptation to what? The temptation to give in to ourselves. That's a temptation to give in to the things that we want to do for ourselves against God's will. That's a temptation. There's no temptation so that you can be obedient to God. That's not a temptation. That's, a, <laughs> that's not a temptation. Temptation is against God's will. But this, this, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. There's no way that you can win because you're a spiritual being now. Your, your new nature is the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. We are a new nature. But we need to feed ourselves our new nature through prayer, through prayer, through reading the word, through this fellowship here. That's why I said, how many of us go home and say, man, church was too short today. I wish there's more campings for church, right? That the church pays for. <laughs> I hope there's more potless. I hope church is always potless. So I don't have to cook when I go home. <laughs> how many of us truly desire the fellowship within believers? How many of us truly long for this? This is what you look forward to. Not the next Star Wars movies. Is This is it. You'll go, oh man, I can't wait for Sunday. <laughs> I know I'm asking too much here. But if this were Manny Pacquiao preaching, I'm pretty sure this room is not going to be enough. Right? Because, you know, he knows his Bible and he knows his boxing. Right? And, he's probably, and we love him. I'll be sitting there too. Right? But most of us, we do follow popularity. We follow, we want church to be like the world. We agree? Yeah, we do. We want the glitz and glamour. I saw an article where pastors are, are doing crazy things just to attract people. And there's actually a church here in Nevada where there's a slot machine in the entrance. And there's women with their, the glamour, like the flamingo girls, to welcome them. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of them are like, what's the address? <laughs> what's the name of that church? <laughs> no, I was kidding about that church. But we do crazy things. We, pastors get so desperate to attract the world that we make church to be like the world. And we forget. We, you know what we forgot? We forgot that if you weren't cool at school, it doesn't matter if you had the the Jordan 11s tomorrow and go to school. If you weren't cool, they're just going to continue to make fun of you. What are those fakes, right? The odd kid is always going to be the odd kid, correct? Yeah, there's no way until they change themselves to fit in. That's the only time that that odd kid will belong. So do we really want the church to belong to the world? Or do we want the church or the world to belong to the church? We're not. We're not going to water down the truth. People could be walking out for all I care. You know, I'm not going to water down the truth about the, the message of God. It's not because you're good. It's because of God's grace. Right? And God tells us to live a holy life. I know not every other church says that. But God tells us to live a holy life. Be holy as I am holy. We are not about trying to increase 
the number, although I did add chairs, huh? I did, I did make the suggestion, let's break the wall and add chairs, but it wasn't really me. I really knew that God was telling us it's about time to expand it. Make room for the people that are about to come. But we're not going to make this into a concert that they would like so that they would end up liking us. They have to know that where they're in, that's darkness. And what we have here is the light. Believer beware. This is where Paul was speaking to the Ephesians, right? A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to start, stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. If you don't recognize that the world is evil, that's your first problem. If you think that the world is better than it was 10 years ago, that's your first problem. If you think that our fight is against people, that's your other problem. Because the enemy is out there to get us. The enemy is out there to kill, destroy, steal and destroy. Everything that we have, the message that you carry, he wants to discourage you. That's why he wants us to fall. You know, once you become a believer, he can't do anything about that anymore. So what, he's, what, what is he going to do? He's going to try, try his best to make sure that we stumble because once, once we sin, we become, what, we feel guilty and we don't want to be used by him because we're like, man, I'm not worthy. I'm a hypocrite. I just sinned. So he wants us to be useless. Right? So that's why we need, this is the reminder. And, and I, this is my prelude to Herod. When Herod found out about Jesus being born, this is his reaction. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew, chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 1 to 8. Please bear with me. We're almost done. We have 40 more minutes. <laughs> okay. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. You see, they know the Bible. Just like Zechariah knows the Bible. But yet for some reason, they still miss the message. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go 
and make a and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. You see, not because he says the right thing, it's true, correct? Because we know, we know that he wasn't going to worship God, Jesus. He wanted to kill Jesus. This is his reaction. First, he was deeply disturbed. And then second, he called for that meeting. And then he lied. He said, so that I can go and worship him too. And this is what he did. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in, in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. That's in Jeremiah 31.5. A mass killing. A mass killing happened. That's how he reacted. So do you, are you still surprised when you're being persecuted? Where you're not, when you're losing friends because you tell people that you love Christ, that you are now living for Jesus. When Herod found out that Jesus was born, he went and killed everybody that might have met that timeline that was born, the time that Jesus was born. Just think about that for a minute. You had a you have a death threat as a baby. And you were helpless as a baby, correct? You can't rescue yourself. I mean, how about, how about the, the step-parents who were told by the angel that this is the Son of God? That they are, are given the privilege to take care of the Son of God. Did they have challenges? Oh, yeah. Golly, that's an understatement. Challenges. Were they depressed? Probably. They worried? Most likely. Stress? Oh, yeah, you got it. But did they continue to take care of Jesus? They did. How about us? Is anybody trying to kill you because you're a Christian right now? If you're here in America, nobody is. For your faith? No. They're persecuting you. Yeah. Everything you believe in is funny to them. They're going to tell you, oh, you're a close-minded person because you're a Christian. You're not like us. We're progressive thinkers. You're old school. We're new school. That's the most persecution you could probably get, right? But for, 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 for Joseph and Mary, they continued the journey. They continued with the responsibility that was given to them. Us Christian, American Christians, we're so weak with our conviction. We just want a happy life. That's all we want. Comfort, blessings. And salvation later. Why not? Who doesn't want that? Right? We forget that there's a dying world out there. We forget that we carry the message of hope. But we care more about what they would think of us instead of what will happen to them if they accept Christ. Correct? We make it every other Christian's responsibility to share the gospel except ours. 
And we say, you know, if I live a holy life, if I just live and walk that straight and narrow, they will ask me. There's a time and place for that when they ask you. But then how come you're not telling? That's the question. How come you won't tell them? We say we believe in the Bible, but we don't read it. We say we believe in Jesus, but we don't tell people what Jesus did for us and what Jesus can do for them. And we're saying, well, because, you know, man, my life, Joe, it's dry like your message tonight. <laughs> hey, it's your fault. <laughs> Go drink some water. <laughs> Imagine running for your life because someone who you don't know happens to be the most ruthless and most powerful man in the land at that time. If you were Mary, after the announcement that you will be giving birth to the Son of God, the long journey, the poor setting when you gave birth, the lack of hospitality, the poor accommodations, and now you have a death threat. Was she discouraged? Probably. But who made sure that it happened? That they were able to accomplish what God wanted them to accomplish. It was God. God was the one who made them successful in what he wanted them to do. They just needed to be willing. Church, the question is, are you willing? Most of the time, your answer is not now, in God's time, Joe. Let me pray about it. I'm not at that age yet, Joe. I'm not that old yet. I need to have fun first. All right? Here's the question. What's your reaction? Please turn your Bibles to Romans 12, 1 to 2. And so, dear brothers, the heather is a living sacrifice to God. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Isn't that just right? Amen? Okay, you said amen. You agreed. You're caught now. You signed the contract now. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Who will find it acceptable? Your neighbors? Your dad? Your mom? Your husband? Your wife? Your children? No, God. We need to worry about God. We need to focus on what he thinks about us. That's what our focus needs to be. We need to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is truly the way to worship him. What's the way to worship him? If we become a living and holy sacrifice. And then listen to this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. You see, church, stop trying to be like them so you can share the gospel to them. 
just continue to be like Christ so that Christ will be the one to save them. Correct? Because they're in trouble. You're no longer in trouble. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It starts there. Well, Joe, I can't really do that until I have $100,000 in my bank account. Then I'll serve God. Really? Just like Zechariah. How am I to know this? I'm already old. Elizabeth is barren. How can I have a baby? God just said, your prayers have been answered. And then he still questioned. Right? We're, we're, we're laughing at him. But if you look in the mirror, how many times have you denied God because you did the same thing? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, you will learn to know God's will for you. I don't know what God's will for me is. Be holy. To be a living, holy sacrifice first. Continue to obey Him. Learn about Him. Renew your mind. Then you will know. Then you will know what God's will is for you. And what is God's will for you? It's good and pleasing and perfect. There's no compromise. There's no compromise. We think there's a compromise. You know, I feel like this is I, I told a sister this. You know, when I'm when I'm out there in the world with my friends or some people that know I'm a pastor, they think I'm too Republican. Okay? They think I'm too Republican. Of course you're gonna be Republican, man, because you're a Christian. You're red. And then when I'm here at church, some of you guys think I'm a Democrat. Oh, he's probably a Democrat. <laughs> He's a Democrat pastor. I'm never too red. I'm never too blue. If I'm going to try to accommodate everybody so I can please them, I'm going to go nuts. I'm not going to have a stand. You know how, how crazy that is, right? You know, that's what you're doing if you're not all in with the Lord. Because you're trying to please the world here. And you're trying to please God here. And all of a sudden you're like, what am I? I'm a dual citizen. I'm a dual citizen. I don't even know if that's legal. <laughs> because when I was sworn in back in September 18, 2002, you were good with your dates, by the way. Thank you. I was like, that was, uh, no, 2001. Seven days after September 11. When they said those words that I'm going to bear arms with the United States of America, I thought it was really going to happen two days later. I'm like, man, this is going to happen. Because there was just that New York thing, the Trade War Center. So what if I'm, I was a dual citizen and the Philippines partnered with the enemy of the United States? Who was I going to fight for? That's a problem, right? The dual citizens here are saying, thinking, no, Joe, that's not what it is for. And so I can stay in the Philippines for a long time. Probably. But with this faith, we cannot be half in with the world and half in with God. You need to choose a side. And when you accepted Christ, you already did. We just need to live it. Amen? You need to live it. And don't ask, how am I going to do this? Because God is the one who's going to do it for you. If you let him, you just need to be willing.
In closing, I want to read to you this, um, this hymn because I, you know, I can't sing. I'm not Charles. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye, hear the royal proclamation, the glad tidings of salvation, publishing to every creature, to the ruined sons of nature, Jesus reigns. He reigns victorious over heaven and earth most glorious. Jesus reigns. See the royal banner flying. Hear the heralds loudly crying. Rebel sinners, royal favor. Now is offered by the Savior. Hear ye, sons of wrath and ruin, who have wrought you under undoing. Here is life and free salvation offered to the whole creation. Turn unto the Lord most holy. Shun the paths of vice and folly. Turn or you are lost forever. Oh, now turn to the God, the Savior. Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. Amen? Jesus lives. Our Christ lives. Amen? And he will come back again. And he has the power. You have the power. If you accepted Christ as your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit to empower you. Don't look at yourself to accomplish God's work. Look at God to accomplish his work through you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. I thank you for your people, Lord God, and their patience, Lord, with your message tonight. I pray that as they leave this building, Lord God, they will remember it. That you will have that nudge or that whisper or that tug in their heart, Lord God, of whatever it is that you have shown them and revealed to them. Father, I pray that we will all live a holy life, glorifying you and living for you. Father, I know that, Lord, that it's so hard to deny ourselves, especially when we already want it. Father, help us not to fall into temptation. Rescue us, Lord God, from our wants and bring us to your wants and your desires. Help us live for you, Lord God. Help us to be victorious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was the end of today's message. If you want to support our mission of reaching many others through this podcast, help us grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com forward slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life. Oh, <laughs>